Hello, all, and welcome to the Broke Girls Dream 2 podcast, a show dedicated to helping all the broke girls out there. Here's your host, podcast producer, and resident broke girl, Amanda Joy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Broke Girls Dream 2 uh, podcast, Instagram live chat. It's all the things. And tonight, I am so excited because we are here with, I mean, I love to say this, Equity with Alicia who basically is a (laughs) DEI expert who actually runs and manages her own business. And I've been following her on Instagram secretly uh, for a minute. And then I was like, perfect timing to have this conversation with what the national conversation is around like CRT and like our business is still doing this and you know, the whole thing. So Alicia, go ahead and introduce yourself if you want and we'll get right into it. Okay, so first things first, it's Alicia. Alicia, Um, okay. Yes, my name is Alicia Coulter, and I am the um, co-owner and co-founder of um, Advantage Health Now. And it's funny because people always ask me, why do you have health in your business? And I'm like, well, when we first started, we were centered in public health. And Mm. then we have grown to provide services for all types of businesses. And so I say, well, in our evolution, we know that health does not just mean physical health. Health is a holistic aspect. So we provide um, services holistically as it is related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our focus is mostly on Black people because that's the voice we can speak with. And my voice is truly um, developed from uh self-learned um aspects meaning i've been discriminated against as a black woman in the workplace i've been harassed i've been bullied i've been all those things and so i've been underpaid where i found out i was underpaid um from a white woman and so um yes so having those experiences i'm able to speak and develop programming centered around making things better for us as black people and so do you like more so focus on the organization changing or do you also help individual clients when they're trying to bridge, like cross these roadblocks in their career? Absolutely. So it's funny you say bridge because I have a program for bridging equitable, um, uh, goodness, goodness, building equitable bridges. And so we do both. So we're centered in dealing with individuals and not dealing with, but supporting individuals as well as developing and implementing programming for organizations. Um, One of the programs that we've done for organizations most recently is reviewing social media platforms to make sure that they are centered in equity and inclusion. Um, And our client actually listened to us. And it's funny because I'll go back and check to see what's going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, their likes have just, or their engagement has really increased. So Yeah, so we do work with um, with organizations and then individuals, you know, and I was, I was just talking to a friend today and I said, you know, when I was going through all my drama, um, even though I'm married, it's always nice to have a good girlfriend to talk about, you know, oh, this is what I'm dealing with at work or whatever. I have friends, but you know, they don't want to hear about that all the time. And so a lot of the stuff I internalized and had to process and deal with on my own with my husband, of course, but it's just different when you don't have that girlfriend. Uh, to talk about it with, because you don't want to overwhelm and bombard your your friends with that. So um, that's one of the reasons why I developed building equitable bridges is so that women 
would have a space to come and talk and share with me someone that understands what they're going through. Right. I know, like, I knew about equal pay day earlier in my career, but now, like, it's like a staple. And then to mm -hmm. also understand, like, the varying topics, the varying uh, salaries or, like, dollars like you know cents on a dollar that it takes for a black woman for an asian woman for a latinx woman to actually get to the full dollar that a white man makes makes me angry every year but <laughs> there are tools yes. out there and there are people who are telling us to be brave in these spaces um just to really like ask for what we're worth and so like if let's speak to like the new i would say the recent college grad Who's, who's trying to really like figure it out and, and enter into like the workforce, but understands that like, these are the things that are stacked against me. Like what would like a, some advice you would give them as they start their job search and look for an equitable uh, corporate job? <laughs> so uh, that part, um, it, does, it does exist. And it's funny you're saying that because I was just writing um, today in the community and I was saying how the, organizations that focus on diversity, equity, inclusion are the ones that see true return on their investment financially. And um, I would definitely, I mean, one thing that, you know, the young Gen Zers and the, um, excuse me, the, yes, the Gen Zers and the young millennials um, have to their benefit is they have social media where companies mm -hmm. are calling out different organizations like don't go work here like because this happens don't go work there because that happens and you can look up the different lawsuits but one of the things that i would encourage a young person to do specifically centered around equal pay is to be fearless in their request and know their worth now understanding that you are a new grad right so you know thinking you're going to walk out of school making 150,000 annually um might be a little challenging i'm just going to say that um in the same breath, do not allow them to make to have you make $15 an hour. Um, I have my master's in social work and master's in public health. And one of the gripes, especially in the social work field, that we have is the low wage earners. And um, with master level degrees, like if the MSW versus the MBA, okay, we're both master level. Social workers had to do, you know, over 1500 hours of internship. I mean, we have so much robust real life experience, plus our degree of, that's centered in theory and theoretical basis. Some of us like me have published theses. And so it's like, okay, so we have all this to offer, but you want to pay us $20 an hour, whereas someone graduates with their MBA and you want to pay them $30 an hour, $40 an hour. So one of the gripes we have is do not accept that low wage because you make it challenging for the people coming behind you. So I just want to encourage them to remember that. Make sure that you are not accepting the low wage because think about your colleagues. Just ask for what you want. And if it's not what you want, re within reason, move on. There are so many other jobs out there. And that's my encouragement. Right. right. And like, I didn't really like, when you said that, I was like, right, like we, we could create like the radical pathway for people behind us if we just ask those questions or we just make those demands of like, I wouldn't say demands, but make the request of the necessities that we need to take this job, right? Absolutely. And I don't, and, I, and you're setting a precedent, you're setting a bar, and I don't think we all realize that. I think it's because we all center self when we're trying to get these jobs and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's nice to think like holistically about like, what am I leaving behind when I when I, when I say yes, or when I advocate for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Your colleagues, think about them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> your, your kids, actually. <laughs>
anyway, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, <laughs> but so like you talked about like your qualifications and then the discrepancy between the shiny, pretty MBA, but then the real like social work and like that you do put in hours. How do you like, first of all, like, did you study DEI and all this good stuff in college to, to move on? And then two, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Like, because I, I always meet people who have social worker degrees and they're like, oh, I work for the government. I work for the state. You know, I don't make any money, but, you know, I'm doing the good work. And I'm like, well, but you should. <laughs> so I'm going to start backwards to that point because that, I got my soapbox, especially with my students, because some of them want to go into working for the government. And I say, that's not the only option. You know, I don't, I make great money and I don't work 60 hours a week. And there's nothing wrong with it. Just know that there are other um, opportunities out there for you. And, you know, this, I do good work. Well, I do great work. I do great work as well. I work with people. I, I support people and I'm, but I still have to support myself. You know, it's that old thought or that thought process of, you know, how can you help your, someone else if you haven't helped yourself? And so that's how I reconcile um, with what I'm doing now for, did I study DE&I? Yes. My, um, my MSW, our theoretical basis was centered in critical race theory and intersectionality. So every day I went to school, we were talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. We were talking about white privilege. We were talking about the black and white binary and what that looks like and how that's not the only racial divide that we have. Um, we were talking about charter schools versus public schools. How does that benefit black and brown students? Charter schools were created as a way to, seg to segment black and brown students from everyone else. You know, so we talked about all of those sort of things theoretically and then put them to work in real life because that's what theory is. Why people get CRT mixed up thinking, you know, you're teaching CRT to kids. No, you use the theory to determine how you're going to teach kids and make it equitable, right? And so that is where I received my education, but my real life every day is what I've seen at work and what I've experienced at work. And that's why I always say, I can speak from a place where it's like, you know, I, I have experienced whatever someone has experienced shy of, you know, physical abuse at work, I've experienced it. I mean, I've gotten yelled at, I've been, you know, told I was lying, I've been, um, told that you know someone else was telling the truth or or someone else um, doesn't doesn't like the way that I'm doing something I've been actually moved out of a department into a smaller office with a receptionist to get away from an environment because they no longer wanted me in that space so I've been and nothing wrong with the receptionist it's just I'm a master level professional that was there to do work within another space and now you're putting me to the front of the house that's this doesn't make sense to me so i i i have the the real life and the theory and i've infused it together awesome and like that whole front of the house thing instead of actually dealing and understanding like what is the root of the problem they just were like we just need to move it yeah. what if move <laughs> instead of like holding them the problem yeah instead of holding themselves accountable right Absolutely. um so as as we like talk about this and I'm so glad you went and said the CRT thing um I you know we are in a space now where it is a big talking point in media and I just was wondering like has that 
negative talking point around critical race theory. Also, people don't read. Anyways, let me stop. Um, <laughs> has that oh. um, created... <laughs> don't get me started. I'm trying to behave. I was... I was at a school board uh, candidate forum recently and like to hear people going for the school board and not know like what CRT is and just being like, you know, like we're going to, we're not going to address CRT in, in schools. And I was like, you can't cause you're not a lawyer and this is not, this is elementary school. But anyways, with that being said, like, <laughs> have you seen a change or a, a change in perception or behavior around your business? Because I know, like when we were in we were in the protest summer, um, with everyone like hitting the streets, especially after George Floyd, DEI became like the talking point, and everyone was like, "We're implementing DEI," and now it's the boogeyman. So, how are you like pivoting or addressing uh, this in your business? Well, honestly, it depends on the organization, right, um, and how you approach them. So it's funny because my web designer asked me, "Do you want to take CRT off?" And I said, "No." You know, she and I were going back and forth. And I said, no, because that's what I'm about. And I don't want to work with people that don't want to be about what I'm about. And meaning, I'm going to service your need in the same breath. I'm not going to be performative. And so there are organizations that are still out there that want to do the work at a level that is radical. And when I say radical, I don't mean, you know, busting windows. I mean, they want to make legit change they want to evolve into a space that is safe for black and brown people in general like literally the workplace is not safe for us and people do not understand not. that <laughs> like it is not I, I talked to my husband about how like the stress of the thought of having to go back into that space the anxiety that i get it is not safe for us and so there are companies out there that still desire to make things better for people, specifically black and brown people, you know? So I'm not, I'm not shifting. I, I'm not going to shift because the environment, the people still exist. The I love that. And that was, that made me hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, I really was like, Oh no, like now we're just going to go back to good old, racism well, I don't, and not I address don't it saw, i did a post about that um about our, our blog i can't remember about how uh, being performative and george floyd and how everybody was marching and i actually got into kind of a, a verbal tussle with um an acquaintance about how people marched because they were bored they were held hostage at home they had nowhere to go, and this gave them somewhere to go and people to be around. And they were willing to risk their life for this. Because I was just like, people have never risked their for lives for black community. people before like this. Like, it, it's never happened. <laughs> it, why is this happening right here? Why is this happening right now in this space? And I just couldn't hold it any longer. So I, I did. I wrote a blog about it because I was just like, I'm, I'm tired of it. It's, it's, I appreciate, you know, the thoughtfulness, but let's keep that same energy when Coachella is happening. Oh, okay. Coachella's happened and there is no mentioning of the need to support black people. Nope. Not at all. And most <laughs> of the performers are black. Fun fact, that I was part. born and raised Palm Springs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? um, I was bo born and raised in Palm Springs, California. Yeah, I've oh, only nice. been to Georgia for less, like a little over a decade. Um, but yeah, 
I can talk to you about all the different versions oh, of what yeah. prejudice and racism looks like when Coachella comes to town. <laughs> right. Well, because Palm Springs is not traditionally a place where you hear black people say they're born and raised. So we there's all twelve thousand of us. See. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's <laughs> probably more, <laughs> but I'm it's probably a couple hundred I'm missing. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but it was also like that was like a real catalyst for me to move to the south to raise my son, um, because it. I wanted my son to see a radical, a different version of black people. I wanted him to see the, our layers. And um, when I moved to Georgia, when I moved to Savannah in particular, it was, we had a black mayor, a black chief of police and a black fire chief. That's a trifecta I'm never getting in Cali. (laughs) Even though I have feelings about those type of safety organizations, still I was just like, I need him to see more and I need him to be in a place where people are fostering that, right? And encouraging young black men to be all they can be. Yes. And it paid off. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it paid off. I think so, like, you, you brought up Coachella and you brought up performative, and <laughs> which is real, right? Like, all those things are very real. But I, I think in this, in this, like, how do you, as, like, a business, think about, like, what is the future? Like, are you reimagining workplaces for people and, 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 and trying to get them to think bigger in these yes. moments or even the individuals you work with? Yeah, so with organizations, I'm trying to get them to think beyond the BRG or the ERG. So that's business relation group, employee relation group. I'm trying to get them to think beyond that because that's still segregation, right? It's putting black people, black people, white people. Well, white people generally do not have a BRG because the company is their BRG. So there's black people, black people, the Asian people, the Asian people. You know, it, it continues to segment us. And we say anyone can join but I'm going to join the Black BRG because that's who I associate with, right? And so as beautiful as it is to have everyone come together, it doesn't always fulfill the need that helps support those individuals within that system. So thinking beyond that and actually looking at your policies and procedures, right, your foundation, what does your foundation do for people that look like me? when they come to HR and they complain, or not even complain, because complaint is looked upon negatively, they inform you of what has happened to them. What is your policy and procedure? Are you just so quick to make sure you're protected? Because that's what I was told one time. One time I was told, oh, we were told you were trying to sue. I said, no, I told her, I do not want to sue. I want to resolve this. And I typed it, so I sent the email, and she was like, oh, we thought you wanted to sue. I was like, no, but you're so quick to protect your asset to where I'm no longer your asset, just this building and this organization is your asset. So just getting them to look. Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say, was that HR asking you the question about the lawsuit? Because I think as people of color and black, well, I'm black, as a black person, (laughs) HR is... (laughs) HR is always a touchy situation. <laughs> yep. And they protect the interests of the company oh, most of the time. Oh, I put an email. That's why no one talks to you. That's why I told them. No one trusts you. So I try to get them to look beyond like business relations, business relation groups and to actually 
look at developing systems, not of oppression, but systems of elevation. And where you're bringing people to the table to develop a workplace that is conducive for everyone. Like everyone wins when the workplace is for everyone. I mean, this concept is just so, people are so fearful of it, especially white men, because they feel their power is going to be taken away. And it's like, no one can take away your power, love. I, I, I just want to let you know that. So that's, that's what I try to do with organizations. And then with individuals, I try to get them to see, you know, whatever their goal is, I want to, I want to work with you to get you to that goal. In the same breath, I want individuals to know that they don't have to be abused in, at work because that is a culture that is common and accepted workplace abuse and we ignore it, but it is actual and factual. It happens. And I've been abused. I'm sure you've been abused. My mama was abused. You know what I'm saying? Her mama was abused when, and when she would clean white folks' houses, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just like, it, it happens. And we have to have a conversation about it out in the open and, and know that this is happening to us versus ignoring it, putting your, burying your head in the sand for a paycheck. Like that is not a life that I want any woman to have to live through. And then on the flip, I also encourage individuals that want to be allies because there are women out there that want to be allies to Black women. I encourage someone how to stand up. Like, do not allow the black woman to be, to sit, you sit in the office and you're like, girl, blah, blah, blah. And then girl, blah, blah, blah. You know, you guys are going back and forth about what you don't like. And then you get to the boardroom and the sister says, okay, so Marie and I were talking, dot, dot, dot. And the Marie says, oh no, everything's fine with me. Don't do that. Say yes. Actually, how about you be the one to say, I have a question about something that I do not like. How about say that and support that black woman without throwing her under the bus? So yep. that that's what I try to encourage and support the allies in or those that desire to be allies because they need to be aware of those types of behaviors that can be super abusive to black women in the workplace. Also the power they hold, like I know when when the ally word was being thrown around and where my I worked in my old organization, they were just like, you know, how can I be an ally to you? And I was like, when the opportunity stands, say my name. If you don't see me in that room, say my name. Mm -hmm. Or or bring me up. Acknowledge me. Don't don't just like narrow folk tone off tunnel focus on trying to be the good employee, especially if you know it's something that impacts me or something you know I was qualified to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And say my name positively, please. Do not put me <laughs> <in> the best. <laughs> or don't label me as the complainer. Exactly. The ABW. Because I have questions. Because oh, I have questions. I'm a complainer. I know, like, this is kind of circling back. But as you talk about these business groups, I remember I just read an article recently where most of the Black people and most of the people of color were basically, like, they loved working from home because it protected them from all those microaggressions that they were feeling and I remember like clearly like when uh it was a white woman at my job she was very much so like I can't wait to go back work I miss you guys I miss our conversations at the water cooler and we were in a chat and I wrote back I don't because y'all didn't invite me to those conversations in the first place oh, yes and I'm sure it was like typing stops <laughs> at that moment <laughs> 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they closed that chat for a little bit. Yeah. No one came back. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, oh, what are we supposed to say? Um, we're not going to say anything. That's your best answer. <laughs> no, they and it was, it was like they, they sidestepped it and they were just like, oh, Amanda, it's because, you know, you've always been virtual and it's, you know, and I was like, no, it's, it's siloed conversations. And so how you build community at work is not how it's not inclusive. Exactly. Of building community for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Like, I'm not going to sit here. We're not going to sit here and pretend like this does not take a lift. It is It is a lift. It's just not a lift we need to pick up. And when I say we, I don't mean me as a business owner. I'm speaking as a Black woman. You know, okay. um, it's not a lift that we should have to pick up. We should be able to sit there and point where it should go. You know, you pick this up and I tell you where I need that table to go. Because I've been carrying so many things on my back. It's time for me to rest. It's time for yep. me to rest. And that, again, that sounds like radical thought process in the same breath though when you think for hundreds of years we've been dealing with this and we're still fighting for a lot we're i don't really hear too many black people saying i want equity and inclusion all we say is look pay us our money and leave us alone <laughs> do you think that's how we got here like i think that's our last resort <laughs> yeah like pay us our money and just leave us alone like kevin stage did this this um this real about this, I don't know if you saw about this black man that was asking, I wonder how white women feel about blonde wigs and weaves. And it's just like, he told him, leave black women alone. Like, just leave us alone. Give us our just due and we'll be fine. You know, in that order, like, leave me alone, give me what I deserve and I'm good. Like, that's what we're asking for. Right. And like, we're showing up with trauma to our jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and I, I, I don't think like people really appreciate that. Like, there is there is a moment of like where you have a little PTSD, especially if you came from a very like aggressively abusive environment. I know I had a black man as a manager. This blew me. And to watch him hold white supremacy as the way his he managed me in his way. He was lucky that thing that job had an amazing 401k and and bonus and matching program. Yes. <laughs> well, that's why I only work with women. Okay, I don't say I work that. with Black women and Black men. I work with Black women. And I work with allies who are women. Because I love my brothers. I'm married to a brother. My husband is chocolate. I love all of him. In the same breath, I prefer to work with Black women. Because we're the ones that are oppressed in the workplace. Black men will get their promotion. They're oppressed in these streets. Okay but they will get their promotions within the workplace before we get our promotions. Um, and it, it's, and once they get their promotion, a lot of times they forget from whence they came. Okay. They forget I, where they yeah. came from. And yeah. so that's why I'm like, you don't need my support. You, you can find your support at the barbershop or you can find your support, you know, at the cigar lounge where you guys just talk crap and then you move on. But with Black women, we are truly being traumatized. Like, there is, like, legit trauma happening at the workplace. It's almost like there is a, a silent caucus against Black women where they're saying, listen, don't let her come in here with that attitude. Don't let her come in here forcing us to, to appreciate her hair. Don't let her come in here with fill in the blank. Because the moment she does, it's on and popping. Like, I feel like there's a silent caucus that 
talks about this in their own space to make sure that we know our place. That's how, so that's why I support Black women. I love that. And I love that you're also pinpointing ally women, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I think just like, and I'm not like this, every time I do this podcast, I'm only doing women. <laughs> <laughs> and only and just because like, I just know so many people who are like in these, like, I know so many amazing women who are just really just trying to make it. They're trying to hold down a job and pursue their passion in order when the passion gets up so they can quit and live their best free of stress life. <laughs> doing yes. that work and and I think it's important too because as women we always have these moments where we're pitted against each other and it always it always starts with a male putting us in that position from like when when people were telling you like you're not supposed to talk about your salary at your job with other people why not exactly what <laughs> why are you creating this space that I I can't communicate or I don't know you know what I mean Absolutely. like I think that's interesting so let me tell you the story, how this happened. So it was a job I had a, a while, a long time ago. And there was a while, so at this point I had my MSW and I was working for a nationally known, super large managed care company. So an insurance, health insurance company. Like if I told you the name, you know exactly who it is. And gotcha. so when I interviewed <laughs> for the job, I got the job and I spoke with about the pay, they told me the max number the max amount of dollars we'll say I could make is $25. Okay, we'll say $25. And so then I was talking to um, uh, the white lady that was my counterpart. We would go to have lunch at CPK like every other Friday. We would just go have lunch. So we're having lunch or whatever. And she's like, we're talking about our pay. And I was like, oh, yeah, they told me the max that um, we can make is, no, no, she said to me, oh, um, you're making $30 an hour, right? And I was like, yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm making $25 an hour. And so I then called HR. Uh, I called the, the recruiter and I told her, I said, you told me $25 was the max. And she said, oh, um, I'm going to have to get back to you. She got back to me and they made me whole. They, you know, they paid me the difference. But just the thought of, I, here I am, a Black woman with a master's degree. You know, at this point, I had my degree for like a year or two. And, and the pay was, was considerably more than 25. I'm just using that as an example. But here I am with someone with a master's degree. And this woman doesn't have a master's degree, had never worked in healthcare. Not oh. a day in her life. She, she moved to, from Florida to here and because she wanted a, a new new um, leash on life, new lease on life or something, and her brother helped oh. her get the job. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she, she eat, pray, loved her career. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm moving out to California," and she lived here for like a month, and then she said, "Okay, now I'm ready to go back to work." And then her brother got helped her get this job. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, but that, that is such a real scenario. That is such mm -hmm. a real thing. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm glad you know how to advocate for yourself, oh, but yes. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> but I mean, you're, it's, it's brave. And I know people are like, these girls are talking big, big stuff on this. Y'all, y'all don't know where I work and y'all don't know what I got to go through. 
So Absolutely. I think, and we understand that, and that's real. But here is Alicia, who yeah. is making, <laughs> who's making a really great effort to create that space where you can actually go get those services, right? So let's talk about like, how do people like engage you? Like, what's the process to become your client as an individual? Right. Okay. So first of all, um, I have a, a community called Building Equitable Bridges. So they would start with joining there. And then if they would like to work with me, I have a form, a contact me form that they can fill out. And then I would then send them the form to confirm if we are a good fit for one another and letting me know what their concerns are, what they're looking for, um, how I can best support them, and me making sure that I can support them because I'm not saying that I'm a know-it-all although I do know a lot in this space, <laughs> um, but I'm not saying that I'm a know-it-all, but I know enough. But I just also want to make sure it's a, good, it's a good fit because I would hate for someone to come and we work together and it just doesn't, it does, we don't mesh well. And so that is how we would start the process. And I have the form on my link tree, the contact form, and we would just go from there. It's real simple. I try not to make it challenging. Um, I do not do discovery calls because I used to do that early on and it just turned into me spending a lot of um, time on the phone and I just I, I don't have the time to give on just having a conversation and sometimes people just want to pick your brain um, and use your time to pick your brain and I'm just not in that space anymore in my career and I'm just saying this to be brutally honest I just I can't um, afford to do that mentally um, to take on people's burdens all day is a lot right and if we're not, if you're not invested in the process, I'm now invested in your process, but you're not invested in the process with me and vice versa. So it's just, no, it's best that we determine if we're a good fit and then we move from there. Right. Emotional labor and sweat equity are real things. Yes. And, <laughs> as, and as business owners, we have to protect ourselves from those <laughs> from and creating and creating real boundaries. And so like with, so ideally it's a person, it's anyone, right? We can have a recent college grad reach out to you or someone who's mid career or someone who's really trying to do the pivot and figure out like, where do I go in these things that I'm like struggling with that, that fall in these buckets. So anyone at any level can reach out to me if they're trying to pivot, if they're trying to expand their net and they need support in that, right? Or someone that is, let's say, they're dealing with a traumatic life experience, and they don't, I mean, excuse me, workplace experience, and they're not looking for therapy, because although I have my master's in social work, I am not a therapist. Um, so I have to, we have to let that disclaimer out there. Um, and so it's, it's more so a support system. So they don't want to go to therapy, but they want to discuss what they're experiencing and how to get out of that situation. Because I can tell you, sometimes you're in abusive situations at work, and you can get stuck. You can get stuck. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go because your brain is clouded. And you need someone to come and help, you know, clear the clouds for you. And right. show you the strength that you have within you. I love that. I love that. Because I just, yeah, I think once you start experiencing abuse at work, you shrink. A little and you don't you probably don't go for the promotion or you don't you don't think you could leave right because then you fall into this weird space where you're like I hate it here <laughs> yeah. you might become a bad employee but you're afraid to leave because you don't know what's out there and so you kind of like create this horrible situation 
for yourself. I can but I do love that. that. I can tell you that when I was at my lowest, um, they made me feel like I was stupid. Like, just straight up stupid, dumb, uneducated, you know, not a Bruin, you know, um, you know, none of those things. Like, I didn't, oh, no, you didn't go to UCLA. No, you didn't study this. No, you didn't. You don't have a thesis. No, you're not this. No, you're not a wife. You're not a mother that has balanced the household and all those sorts. Like, they made me feel like I was just a person that was just literally face to the ground, no peripheral, no ability to see beyond the ground. That is how I was, how I was made to feel. And I literally had to pick myself up and process through that. Um, there's a joke that always says that, you know, the social workers don't go to therapy. That's always, that's like an ongoing joke. We don't go to therapy. Many do, but that's just like a joke. We don't go to therapy. We try to figure things out on our own. Um, but um, I had to really work through that and process through how that made me feel and to get my confidence back. And then any, anyone that knows me knows I have a lot of confidence. And so for them to be able to break me down like that, um, it, it's wild. <laughs> It's wild. But I mean, I, I, you can't like, like, I don't know. Like, I think that that is the point, right? Like they abuse you to this place where you're no longer you. Um, in order for you to be sub subordinate, I don't know. I guess that's the word. I was, have, I was watching that new show on Apple TV called Severance, which is horrible. It's, <laughs> but it's basically like you get a chip in your head and, and it clicks on. And so you can be a good worker. So how, how they're treating you, how they're abusing you. Yeah, yeah, it's a trip. It just okay. completely shuts off because you're this worker now. And then, like, when you get into an elevator, you pass a certain, like, moment, and then, like, it, the chip goes back on, and then you're back to being a person. What? Okay, I'm going to check this out. <laughs> this sounds interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna, it may make me want to write a blog about it. It's it's really good and it's finished so you can you can like binge it so you don't have to wait for it every week but like as you were talking I was just thinking about that I was like there's so many things that I would say organizations that are not prepared to really fully accept and be authentic and understand their their diverse workforce would love that right because yeah. then they don't have to worry about diversity and equity and inclusion you're just a cog in the machine <laughs> and that's what they want though they want us to be that a lot of places, but there are some places, there are really some good places out there that want forward thinkers. Like you'll see in the job description, those that want forward thinkers, they always say, we want you to have owned a company or been an entrepreneur at, at one point in your life. Those are the people that want leaders and thinkers and they're gonna allow you to be you, right? And but those are few and far in between. Those are not, yeah. it's not like that everywhere. Most places, if they see that, and I'm old school, so I remember back in the day, if you had a gap on your resume or if you ran your own business, they wouldn't hire you. They're like, no, we don't want an entrepreneur because you have your own thought process and that's not who we want. Yeah, or <laughs> they, would, they would ding you. They would ding you and say, that's not real work experience. Exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> I ran a business. I just exactly. chose to come back because yeah, of insurance. Like, like, I was going to say, it's usually <laughs> medical insurance that causes people to return. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I love this interview. This has it been could. so good. I've been watching you. Like, I do, I watch all your stories. And, I'm, like, oh. especially when you go on, <laughs> when you go on your policy rant, I love it. <laughs> oh, I did one today. Oh, what about <laughs> about student loan forgiveness because I'm like y'all think that 
President Biden can just take a pencil and erase your student loans. Like, he wants to make sure that people that, one, let me just get on, one, people that actually deserve their loans to be forgiven are, are getting access to that. And two, he wants to make sure that when he leaves office, that's not snatched back. Like, guys, come on. It's not that simple. So I went on that rant for about just for 60 seconds today. Yeah, no, I, okay, so I did catch that rant, and you're completely right, and yes, and I, I get it, like, I get the pain and the frustration, I totally, you know what I mean, like, I get this younger generation has so many layers uh, to work through, but I'm also just like, yeah, but let's look at it from an equitable standpoint, yeah. and, and what would that look, what, what would that be like, right, not Absolutely. just like you're complaining about a student loan. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and you're ready to kick him out of office because your loans have not been forgiven. Like, come on, girl, we can have this conversation all day. <laughs> we really can. We can. We can. We can. So as we wrap up here, I just want to make sure you tell people how to contact you uh, a little bit about your business and all the socials and all the good things. Okay. So people can contact me. The easiest way would be, I'll give you my Instagram handle. If you have Instagram, you can DM me at Equity with Alicia. My name is spelled A-L-I-C-I-A. -I -I so Equity with Alicia. That's my Instagram. Um, and then our website is AdvantageHealthNow.com. Um, and we also have a, we have a contact us form there. And then you can also go to um, uh, click on speaking engagements on my website and it has a contact form there. And so you can reach out to me if you have any questions through that form. So the website and the Instagram, those are the two easiest ways to get in contact with me. So equity, equity with Alicia and AdvantageHealthNow.com. Yeah. I would say if you're not ready to be her client, follow her Instagram because you're going to learn so much. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> you drop so much information. Like, and I'm just like, oh, I love this. <laughs> oh, thank you thank you sometimes i have to reel myself back in i'm like if i give it all here why would they call me so i have to sometimes reel myself back in but i just want to share i want people to i want people to be free i'm telling you one of my friends she was like i've never seen you smile so much and i'm like girl because i'm not in bondage anymore and i want other black women to experience that like that freedom of not being in bondage not meaning you're going to be a business owner that may not be your path that you that you trailblaze but the path you trailblaze may be you finally find your niche and the organization that's best suited for you and you are you finally feel at home and that you you're no longer being traumatized or being abused at work and I want people to I love that. that I love that I love that thank you so much thank for you. spending your afternoon with me uh, you guys will be able to re listen to this on the Broke Girls Ring 2 podcast which is available on Apple and Spotify but we'll also have the rebroadcast up here on Broke Girls Ring 2 on Instagram and I'll make sure to give her her copy of her video so she can use all this great content but other than that thank you so much keep empowering and helping women and keep sharing all your talent and thank you thank you so much I appreciate you all right. Have a good night. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Broke Girls Dream 2 podcast. You can connect with us on our website at BrokeGirlsDream2.com or on our Instagram page, BrokeGirlsDream2. If you like the show, please leave us a positive comment on iTunes or the more the merrier, share with your friends. Make sure you join us for our next show and have a good one.